It was deep night. We lay on top of a pile of stone and could see nothing beyond it. Mist or shadows blotted everything like a great blanket all around us. The air seemed hot and heavy and was full of rustlings, creakings and a murmur like voices passing. I think that hundreds more of the Hurons must have been passing by to help with the battle. Later there was a great rumble of thunder away south and flashes of lightning far away across Rohan. Every now and then we could see mountain peaks, miles and miles away, stab out suddenly, black and white and then vanish. And behind us there were noises like thunder and hills, but different. At times the whole valley echoed. It must have been about midnight when the Ents broke the dams and poured all their gathering water into a gap in the northern wall, down into Isengard. The Huron dark had passed and the thunder had rolled away. The moon was sinking behind the western mountains. Isengard began to fill up with black, creeping streams and pools. They glittered in the last light of the moon, and they spread over the plain. Every now and then the whispering waters found their way down the shaft or a spout hole, and great white steam would hiss up. Smoke rose in billows. There were explosions and gusts of fire. One great coil of vapour went whirling up, twisting round around Orthnacht until it looked like a tall peak of cloud, fiery underneath and moonlit above and still more water poured in, until at last Isengard looked like a huge flat saucepan, all steaming and bubbling. We saw a cloud of smoke and steam from south last night, when we came from the mouth of Nankurur, said Aragorn. We feared that Saruman was brewing some new devilry for us. Not he, said Pippin. He was probably choking and not laughing anymore. By the morning, yesterday morning, the water had sunk down into the holes and there was a dense fog. We took refuge in that guardroom over there, and we had rather a fright. The lake began to overflow and pour out through the old tunnel, and the water was rapidly rising up the steps. We thought we were going to get caught like orcs in a hole, but we found a winding stair at the back of the storeroom that brought us out to the top of the arch. It was a squeeze to get out, as the passages had been cracked and half-blocked with fallen stone near the top. There we sat high above the floods and watched the drowning of Isengard. The ents kept pouring in more water, till all the fires were quenched and every cave was filled. The fog slowly gathered together and steamed up into a huge umbrella of cloud. It must have been a mile high. In the evening there was a great rainbow over the eastern hills, and then the sunset was blotted out by thick drizzle on the mountainsides. It all went very quiet. A few wolves howled mournfully far away. The Ents stopped the inflow in night and sent the Eisen back to its old course. And that was the end of it all. Since then the water has been sinking again. There must be some outlet somewhere from under the caves. If Saruman peeps out of any of his windows, he must, it must look an untidy, dreary mess. We felt very lonely. Not even a visible Ent to talk to in all the ruin and, and no news. We spent the night up on top above the arch and it was cold and damp and we did not sleep. We had a feeling that anything might happen at any minute. Saruman is still in his tower. There was a noise in the night, like a wind coming up the valley. I think the Ents and the Horns had been away and then come back. But where they've gone now, I don't know. It was misty, moisty morning when we climbed down and looked around again, and nobody was about. And that's about all there is to tell. It seems almost peaceful now after all the turmoil, and safer too somehow since Gandalf come back. I could sleep. They all felt silent for a while. Gimli refilled his pipe. There's one thing I wonder about, he said, as he lit it with his flint and tinder. 
Worm Tongue. You told Theoden he was with Saruman. How did he get here? Oh yes, I forgot about him, said Pippin. He did not get here till this morning. We had just lit the fire and had some breakfast when Treebeard arrived again. We heard him homing and calling our names outside. I have come to see how you are faring, my lads, he said. And I am to give you some news. Hurons have come back. All's well, I well, well indeed. He laughed and slapped his thighs. No more orcs in Isengard, no more axes. And there will be folk coming up from the south before the day is old. Some that you may be glad to see. We had hardly said that when we heard the sound of hoofs on the road. We rushed out before the gates and stood and stared, half expecting to see Strider and Gandalf come riding up the head of the army. Um, but out of the mist came a man on a tired old horse. And he looked a queer, twisted sort of creature himself. There was no one else. When he came out of the mist and suddenly saw all the ruin and wreckage in front of him, he gaped and his face went almost green. He was so bewildered that he did not seem to notice us at first. And when he did, he gave a cry and tried to turn his horse around and ride off. But Treebeard took three strides, put out a long arm and lifted him up out of the saddle. His horse bolted in terror, and he groveled, groveled on the ground. He said he was Grima, friend and counsel of the king, and had been sent with important messages from Thad and Saramon. No one else would dare ride through open land so full of fowl of orcs, he said. So I was sent, and I've been had a perilous journey, and hungry and weary. I fled far north out of my way, pursued by wolves. I caught a sidelong look that he gave to Treebeard, and I said to myself, Liar. Treebeard looked at him in his long, slow way for several minutes, till the wretched man was squirming on the floor. Then at last he said, I was expecting you, Master Worm Tongue. The man jolted at that name. Gandalf got here first, so I know as much about you as I need. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Gandalf got here first, so I know as much about you as I need, and I know what to do with you. Put all the rats in one trap, said Gandalf, and I will. I am the master of Isengard now. But Saruman is locked in his tower, and you can go there and give all the messages that you can think of. Let me go, let me go, said Wormtongue. I know the way. You knew the way, I don't doubt, said Treebeard. But things have changed a little around here. Go and see. He let Wormtung go, and he limped through the arch with his, us close behind, until he came inside the ring and could see all the floods that lay between him and Orthnak. Then he turned to us. Let me go, he whined. Let me go away. My messages are useless now. They are, indeed, said Treebeard. But you have only two choices. Stay with me until Gandalf and your master arrive, or cross the water. Which would you have? The man shivered at the mention of the master and put a foot into the water, but he drew, drew back. I can't swim, he said. The water is not deep, said Treebeard. It is dirty, but that will not harm you, Mr. Wormtongue. In you go now. And with that wretched floundering off into the flood, 
It rose up nearly to his neck before he got too far for me to see him. The last I saw of him was clinging to some old barrels or pieces of wood. But Treebeard watched him and waited after him, helping his progress. Well, he's gone and I saw him crawl up the steps like a draggled rat. There's some in the tower still. A hand came out and pulled him in. So there he is, and I hope the welcome is to his liking. Now I must go and wash myself clean of this lime. I'll be away on the north side if anyone wants to see me. There's no clean water down here fit for an ent to drink or to bathe in. So I'll ask you two to keep a watch at the gate for the folk that are coming. There'll be the lord of the fields of Rohan, mark you. You must welcome him as well as you know how. His men have fought a great fight with the orcs. Maybe you know the right fashion of men's words for such a lord, better than ents do anyway. There have been many lords in the green fields in my time, and I've never learnt their speech or their names properly. They will be wanting man food, and you know about that too, I guess. So find what you think is fit for a king, if you can. And that's the end of the story. Though I should like to know who this Wormtongue is. Was he really the king's counsellor? He was, said Aragorn, and Saruman's spy and a servant of Rohan. Fate has not been kinder to him than he deserves. The sight of the ruin of all that he thought so strong and magnificent must have been almost punishment enough. But I fear that worse awaits him. Yes, I, I don't suppose that Treebeard sent him to Orthnock out of kindness, said Mary. He seemed rather grimly delighted with the business and was laughing to himself when he went out to get his bathing and drinking. We spent a busy time after that, searching the flotsam and rummaging about. We found two or three storerooms in each different places nearby, above the flood level. But Treebeard sent some ents down and they carried off a great deal of stuff. We want man food for twenty-five, the ents said so you can see that someone had counted your company carefully before you arrived. But three were evidently meant to go to great people. But you would not have fared any better. We kept as good as we sent, I promise you. Better, because we sent no drink. What about the drink, I said to the ends? There is the water of Eisen, they said. It's good enough for ents and men. But I hope that the ents may have found time to brew some of their drafts in the mountain springs and that we shall see Gandalf's beard curling when he returns. After the Ents had gone, we felt tired and hungry, but we didn't grumble. Our labours had been well rewarded. It was through our search for man food that Pippin discovered the prize of the flotsam, those hornblower barrels. Pipeweed is always better after food, said Pippin, and that's how this situation arose. We understand it perfectly now, said Gimli. All except one thing, said Aragorn. Leaf from South Farthing and Isengard. The more I consider it, the more curious I find it. I have never been to Isengard, but I have journeyed in this land, and I know well the empty countries that lie between Rohan and the Shire. Neither goods nor folk have passed that way for many a long year. Not openly. Saruman had secret dealings with someone in the Shire, I guess. Worm tongues may be found in other houses, apart from King Theoden's. Was there a date in the barrels? 
Yes, said Pippin, it was the 1417 crop. Last year's, no, the year before. Oh, whichever one, it was a good year. Oh well, whatever evil is afoot is over now, I hope. Or else beyond our reach at present, said Aragorn. Yet I think it shall mention it to Gandalf. Small matter though it may seem among his great affairs. I wonder what he's doing, said Mary. The afternoon is getting on. Let us look around. You can enter Isengard now at any rate, Strider, if you want to. It's not a very cheerful sight. 